We definitely see ourselves as partners and advocates for the tea. And of course, we're going to have times where we disagree and, and ideas where we think that the tea could do something better or where we point out something that the tea is, is not done well. But we also really try to balance that with always advocating for more, more resources for the tea, advocating for more street space for the tea, and highlighting the things that the tea is doing well and figuring out how we can support them. Welcome back to another episode of Spilling the Tea. I'm Andrew Cassidy, and today we'll be exploring the realm of public transportation advocacy with a true champion of the cause. Our guest today is Jared Johnson, a passionate advocate and executive director of Transit Matters, an organization committed to improving public transportation in the greater Boston area. Through advocacy, research, and community engagement, Transit Matters strives to create a more equitable, sustainable, and efficient transit system for all. In this episode, we'll explore the critical role that public transportation plays in urban mobility, the challenges facing the MBTA, and the advocacy efforts that are shaping the future of transit in Boston. Without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Jared Johnson, to the podcast and explore the future of public transportation in Boston and beyond. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with you. You're actually our first external guest on Spilling the Tea, and I'm really interested to hear your perspectives on where we are, where we're going, and how we can get there together. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in transit? I grew up in Oklahoma, so I am not not originally from Boston, so I didn't grow up riding the tea, but it has really been one of my favorite parts of, of Boston. I've been here about eight years and, you know, it was definitely something that made me immediately fall in love with the city was the ability to be able to go around the whole region without having to have a, a car. When I first moved here, I was doing AmeriCorps. So it certainly, you know, needed to live with limited means. So being able to use the T was huge. And it's really been, again, it's been one of my favorite parts of, of Boston. How I got involved in transit growing up in Oklahoma, not not a ton of transit there. Um, so I didn't grow up like, you know, on my dad's shoulders looking at, at trains or anything like that. It really came from seeing how my hometown of Oklahoma City had changed. There was a sales tax referendum in the early 90s, and it led to just a ton of public investment in a new basketball arena where now the NBA team plays and, and just so much development of downtown canal and all sorts of stuff. And so by the time I was in college, there had been a wave of private development that was building on top of that. And so I started to get interested in private development and in new restaurants and, and condos and different things going up around the city. And so I later took a trip that year to DC and we were staying kind of, you know, out in one of the suburbs, about nine miles from downtown DC. But I noticed that the streets in that city were so much more vibrant than my hometown, tons of sidewalk cafes and all of that. And there was no NBA arena or no giant canal. And so I was wondering, what's the draw here? What makes this place so vibrant and has all these tall buildings um, in a city that's about the sixth of the size of my hometown? And it was, it was transit. And so that's how I went down the rabbit hole of transit-oriented development and really thinking about how transit shapes the places that we love. I was talking with someone and reflecting about how even though there's all of these intense fights about bike lanes or extending a light rail line into the suburbs or building, you know, density, people spend billions of dollars a year traveling to Disney World where they park their car in the parking lot and take a monorail and then they walk down Main Street or they spend tons of money to go to Boston 
and, and often not drive or to go to Times Square or Florence, Italy. And so, again, I really think about how transit is, you know, again, it helps us build those places that, that we that we love being in, those places that are walkable and that are beautiful. And it just helps to connect people to, to jobs and opportunity. And it, it really is something that is a great equalizer when you think about the cost of, of individual car ownership, I think in Massachusetts is around nine to $11,000 a year. Being able to save money and, and still get around the, the system and Boston being one of the few regions that you can live a really good life car free. It's not, not without its challenges. And of course, I have to occasionally take a Uber or rent a car or get, you know, go with a friend. But, you know, those are few and far between. Uh, and so that's how I got here. So that sets you up to be a term that I was not familiar with prior to joining the MBTA, which mm-hmm. is a transit advocate. Would you say that accurately describes you? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now, for, for those who are not yet familiar with that term, could you explain what a transit advocate is? So a transit advocate is, uh, I often get the question of, oh, so do you all work for the T or how are you affiliated? No. And so transit advocates are folks who are, well, let me walk that back. I was going to say folks who are outside the agency, but I am a transit advocate who, who is outside the agency. But I think part of the great transformation at the T, and, and you know, I think some of these folks have always been there, but I think especially since I've been to Boston, I've seen a lot more transit advocates join the T. And so and a transit advocate is someone who is interested in supporting public transit and who is interested in making it better. And so by supporting it, as I talked about earlier, sometimes there's big fights about whether or not a transit service should be extended into a community. And so those advocates are people who are out there extolling the benefits of public transit. And in terms of making it better, we've seen time and time again how sometimes outside ideas can make a project better and how sometimes folks who ride the bus a ton can sometimes see things that maybe the planners or the consultants or the engineers can't see and can make a project better. I think that's really important too, because I've seen some people try to frame the MBTA and advocates as almost being adversarial. <laughs> when in fact, I almost see it that we're, you know, two sides of the same subway token, so to speak, <laughs> um, where we're both, you know, in the interest of improving transit and providing a service that's reliable that our, our ridership deserves and that can provide more access to a greater number of people. So with Transit Matters specifically, what do you see as the role of that organization? We definitely see ourselves as partners and advocates for the T. And of course, we're going to have times where we disagree and, and ideas where we think that the T could do something better or where we point out something that the T is, is not done well. But we also really try to balance that with always advocating for more, more resources for the T, advocating for more street space for the T, and highlighting the things that the T is doing well and figuring out how we can support them. And so Transit Matters really started as an organization that first was talking about T issues because we didn't really feel like at that time the media or some of the elected officials were really talking about the T in a, in a nuanced and you know well-informed way. And so Transit Matters was first a podcast and a blog, two different folks that sort of came together and realized they were working on some of the same things. But one of the things that really sort of crystallized our organization was the diversions and was, you know, in the past diversions had been announced with a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with 12 point font only in English, sometimes very densely packed. And so one of our co-founders um, noticed that the way the T was getting the messaging out was sometimes taping them on a pole here or there or just dropping them in the seats. And so he went and mocked up his own design for a diversion flyer that 
was really bold and significantly larger and used a lot of symbols and colors to make it easier for folks for whom, you know, English isn't their first language or might not speak uh, English at all and really highlighted in a quick glance the key information. And as a sign of partnership, the diversion graphic that you see on the platforms today and on sandwich boards, that is an evolution of that original design. So there's an area where, yeah, we were pointing out something that the T was not doing well, but then we worked in partnership and the current poster is, you know, a wonderful marriage of the advocacy that we had done and then the T figuring out ways to make that better. That's awesome. Again, I, I love to hear the, the partnership piece. <laughs> You know, it's always valuable to get that feedback because, you know, if you're in your own world and you're surrounded by people that believe the same thing, generally you think you're doing a great job. But that outside perspective is extremely valuable to improvement. Public transportation is a critical component of just urban mobility as a whole. What are some of the key challenges that transit systems in major cities like Boston face today? And what does Transit Matters do to address them? One of the biggest challenges that Boston faces is that our, our system is, is old. Boston has the oldest underground section of transit in the U.S., the section between Boylston and, and Park Street. And so you're dealing with a very old system with very constrained right-of-way or, or the area where the tracks go. And there's a lot of development that has been built in and around stations and, and train lines. So it makes it really hard to improve it or to expand it in some ways. People often sort of talk about that in a way that ignores that there are older systems that have modernized and that, you know, most of the equipment we're talking about, most of the stuff that people see other than the, the structure is a lot newer than that. But certainly it is a challenge. And even the newer, quote unquote, newer stuff that is, you know, often the, the cause of some of the issues like the track conditions and things like that are from the, the 70s, which is still older than a lot of the transit in a lot of North American cities. So that is certainly a major issue. And I think the other one is that the greater Boston area has grown grown much more rapidly and much more expansively than the transit system. And so that is a major issue, both in terms of people who are just completely outside of the T's service area or areas where there's a large population and there's quite a bit of density or because of just sort of shifting patterns, there's a larger population of lower income folks without a car who are in places where the T, you know, has traditionally not provided a ton of service or doesn't have a rapid transit or a bus rapid transit line to reach them. And so Transit Matters, you know, uses things like our slow zone tracker to identify the key areas that you know, the T really needs to focus on and needs to address as far as bringing the track conditions up into the best shape that they can be in. We do things like thinking about how we can use our current commuter rail network to expand the reach of what we call rapid transit and connect some of those communities that are outside of the reach of the subway or a frequent bus, but could still have a fast, frequent, reliable ride into town using some of that existing infrastructure, just thinking about how we provide service differently on that infrastructure and what additions do we need to make that better. Absolutely, age is a factor. The system itself, obviously, 1890s and the mm -hmm. earliest sections of it, but even the city itself being as old as it is and really challenging to have to work around existing buildings, roads, what have you. Buried ships. And buried, buried ships, of yeah, really. We were learning about, I think it was an unmarked colonial graveyard that was discovered when they were first building the subway back in 1897, yep. I want to say. There's a lot beneath Boston, but how do you, I guess, marry the desire to make things better with that? How do you work with your existing roads and thoroughfares to you know, grow the system to meet the demands of the modern day Boston and greater Boston area? I think a lot of it is prioritization and really thinking about what are our core goals. 
And there are places where you have to make real trade-offs. There are places where the street is just simply not wide enough for everything that people want to do on it. But we've really got to look at what is helping us move the most people and what is helping us reach our our climate change goals, our, our equity goals, our economic development goals. And in many cases, that is transit. That is bus lanes. That is having bus stops that give riders dignity and that are appropriate for the level of demand and ridership. Uh, that a bus line sees. So I think there are absolutely ways that that we can modernize the system, even though uh, the region is old. And as I talked about earlier, one of the few systems that predates us is the London Underground, which, you know, obviously still has its issues and still has some creaky infrastructure, but they have done a great job of of modernizing. Uh, And sometimes that's smaller things like just retrofitting stations. Other times that's big things like digging brand new tunnels to build a new platform, or it is things like using technology to have signaling that is intelligent and knows exactly where the trains are at every moment and can have the trains run closer together. So I think there are ways that through smaller tweaks and making some smaller or medium-sized changes at stations or big changes and, and figuring out how do we deal with stations that are real bottlenecks. And again, some of that may involve some really big work, but I think one of the opportunities, though, is that Boston is a growing region, and, and it's a region where even in some of our older neighborhoods, you see transformative projects happening. And so I think there's a really big opportunity, particularly if we're working with the municipalities to make sure that we're not loading up these buildings with parking. A, that is more riders for the T, but B, it means there's cost savings that maybe can allow us to look at how we can use that development, both some of the money, but also just the fact that the street is ripped open to look at how we can modernize the T and make those facilities or make the infrastructure work better. And then it's it's using technology. One of the oldest lines in the in the Paris metro system is entirely automated and uses the world leading most modern signaling. So There are absolutely ways that you can retrofit new technology into old systems. So there's hope. (laughs) There is absolutely hope. You mentioned the impact that Transit Matters had on diversion signage. What other wins, successes can you spotlight that Transit Matters has played an integral role in helping improve public transportation in the region? I think one of the biggest ones is, and it's still, you know, still is, is working on coming to fruition, but I think the, the fact that the conversation has changed is huge. And that is thinking differently about commuter. I think it's one of the projects that has so much promise. The T has more than 300 miles of commuter rail track. So many regions across North America are incredibly envious of that amount of track. And you would almost never be able to, to do that today, just the, the cost and the lawsuits and all of that. And so our thinking was, and in, in looking at both international examples and also looking at some of the incredible advocacy that happened in Boston with folks along the Fairmount line thinking about what had you know traditionally been thought of as a commuter rail to get folks from a further neighborhood in Boston straight downtown. They pushed to have more stops added and to have more service. And so we built on that advocacy and looked at those worldwide examples of how other places use their regional or suburban rail and said, this is something that we need for Boston. There are so many corridors where we have a lot of a lot of density and we have new new development going up and we have immigrant communities where there are low income folks who often don't have access to a car. We have opportunities to provide high quality transit to those places or we have other corridors where buses are you know, in traffic or not being able to be deployed to other parts of the region because they're just going from a neighborhood and taking folks to a rapid transit station. But it's paralleling 
a commuter rail line that because of the service frequency and the cost, folks aren't using. And so our thinking was, let's push the T and policymakers to think differently about this huge asset that we have and think about how we can use this to provide rapid transit service. And so since then, we've seen the T adopt that as the plan for the future of the commuter rail network. We worked in partnership with the folks on the Fairmount line, the Fairmount Indigo Transit Coalition, and have one Charlie card access, the ability to be able to use your Charlie card there and more frequent trains on that line. Uh, and so I'm really optimistic about that change and about that combined with the new MBTA Communities Act, which is going to require cities and towns to build more multifamily housing near transit. I think it really has the opportunity to be a super transformative project. Um, and I mean, it's really a collection of projects, but that I think is one of the things that I'm most proud of. And of course, really proud of the work that our labs team has done in really creating tools that help to validate people's experiences. A lot of folks were sitting on the platform thinking, I feel like my train is going slower, but having the ability to, to be able to track that and see just how much has been huge. And so I'm, I'm really excited about what the labs team is going to do next. I remember them coming to me and saying, we want to start a data visualization team. And they explained to me what all we wanted to do and all this different coding language. And I was like, I understand very little of that, but <laughs> it sounds like it's not going to be a huge upfront cost and you don't need a ton from me. So go absolutely for go, go for it. And, and now it's, it's turned into, I think, one of our greatest successes. Uh, that's great. And, you know, unfortunately, with anything infrastructure related, there is a significant amount of time that can be associated with realizing those benefits. But to see things in motion and even just a general shift in the wind, I think, gives a lot to be excited for. I know I am particularly um, <laughs> uh, maybe because I kind of straddle both the the rider in me as well as the employee, but I'm very excited about commuter rail and, and all of that to see it in motion finally. Yeah. I guess this is a really big question for you, <laughs> and I do want you to be honest. What do you want to see from the MBTA? Mm. I want to see the agency really demonstrate what, what I know, because I have friends who work at the T. I have folks who have you know, started out as colleagues and have you know developed into friends and, and folks that I really deeply respect at the T. And I know that they want the best for this system and they want the best for riders. But I really want to see the T do a better job of demonstrating that and demonstrating that they are in the rider's corner and that the agency is thinking about how it can, you know, not only make life better for current riders, but also thinking about how the T is, I think, an essential part of this fight against climate change. It's an essential part of how we think about housing affordability and, and housing production in the region. It's essential to, you know, socioeconomic equity and in connecting people, particularly low-income folks, immigrants, people of color, to, to jobs, opportunities, to friends and family and, and culture. And I think it's a really key part of the region. And so I, I really want to see the T again, just do a better job of demonstrating that and a better job of demonstrating how it's a core part of the region, a core part of Boston identity. I would love to see things like, you know, can we get Big Poppy to, to do some announcements for the T? <laughs> uh, can we further integrate the T into Boston's identity? I think there was some great work done earlier this summer with the Red Sox promo. Glad you saw that it. Was, <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. 
But, you know, I think writers have a complicated relationship with the T. You all are also on the social media side of house. You, you see the tweets, you see all of the, the frustrations. But I also see that people love this system. They love the mobility that it provides. They, they want to see it do well. And, and again, they, they know that regardless of what is powering cars into the future, they know that the region's future and that how we tackle climate change is going to rely on a lot more of people using public transit. And so I think being able to tap into that desire for a better system is really critical and making sure that riders know the positive things that the T is doing and that they know about things like that the T is, you know, set up a new office for sustainability and for climate resiliency. And, you know, some of that can sound really like, you know, frivolous or like, what does that have to do with the slow zones? But helping people understand that it doesn't matter how well you fix a slow zone if a station's underwater. I think it is, it's making sure that, that folks know that the T is fighting for them. That's really critical. I mean, one of the, the, the things that stands out sort of in transit Twitter world is there was a back and forth with BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, in the San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose area. And the person running that Twitter account in an exchange, which is very honest about the reasons that the system was in the shape that it was in. I remember this vividly. Yeah. And what riders could do to make the system better and what they could do to demonstrate to policymakers that they were displeased with how little attention and funding the agency was getting. And I think that that really galvanized a ton of support and really demonstrated to riders that, you know, it's okay to be frustrated with the system. And there's things that BART could have been doing better that had nothing to do with the legislature or the cities or yada, yada, yada. But understanding that not all of it was the agency's fault, I think was really huge. And so does it mean that the T has to do exactly that? But again, I, I think riders should know how passionate the folks who work at the T are from the bus operators and the train dispatchers up to the planning staff, up to the folks who work in, in communications and letting them know that so many of those folks are riders as well. Many of them are transit advocates and transit geeks and people who rely on the system or people who have family members who rely on the system. And they give riders understood that I think they would maybe have a bit more patience for the for the system, but that they would also help to solve some of these challenges around getting policymakers and getting everybody, right? I mean, this is everyone from the legislature to cities and towns to private businesses to the person who drives in their car and is never going to ride on the T, getting them to understand that it's in everyone's interest to have a system that works. I think that also kind of hits on a cornerstone of why we're having this podcast, why you're here today. It is to be transparent. It is to kind of pull back the curtain and shine a light on the different facets of the MBTA that people don't normally see, the good and the bad, uh, <laughs> which is why I asked you to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there is an importance to understanding you know, just like it's important to understand how the government works, it's important to understand how your transportation system works and to use that understanding to foster improvement of the organization as a whole uh, and hopefully be more representative and, and be more useful and accessible to a greater number of people. Absolutely. It also sounds like, I know you haven't listened to it yet, but in our previous <laughs> episode, we sat down with Secretary Tibbetts Nutt and she- Big fan. <laughs> same. Uh, she, but she mentioned a, a lot of the same things that you do as far as housing, as far as the integral role that transit plays in providing opportunity. And I think for me, it's really great to see that 
again, organizations that might be purported to be adversarial or (laughs) diametrically opposed or what have you. There's friction when, in fact, they very much are in agreement. And it's exciting to me to see that kind of joint forward momentum where there's a lot of really talented individuals trying to make this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think in the eight years I've been here, I have seen a market change and in so many ways for the better. And I know that, you know, that may sound counterintuitive with some of the issues going on, but a lot of that is that, you know, we're uncovering issues that were there all along and that some of those things are happening on a separate track from the positive changes and how the T thinks about planning for the future in bus service and how the T communicates. You know, you can acknowledge that the trains may be slow between these different sections, but it doesn't mean that nothing has gotten better at the T. So I think that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is looking to the future. What are some of the key priorities that you and Transit Matters have? I think one of the biggest priorities that we have is better connectivity around the region. And I think that means so many different things. I think it means thinking about what does the future of late night service look like in the region? What does the future of our bus network look like as the T is able to bring on more operators and able to start working on the bus network redesign and implementing that? What are some of those new connections uh, that are going to be made and the exciting things like, you know, providing more access to the Longwood Medical District? So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And again, that's a key goal for Transit Matters is making sure that the bus network gets the due it deserves and gets the priorities and the resources that it deserves. And so we're going to be really focusing on operations uh, for the bus and how do we make the bus experience better? How do we, you know, work on issues like bus bunching and things like that? One of the other key priorities is going to be for the commuter rail, thinking about what is the role of the commuter rail with all of the diversions coming up and what are the ways that we can think about giving folks faster rides into town and relieving the pressure on the shuttles for folks who are making sort of smaller, more local trips. So that's an area that we're really going to be leaning in on. I think one of the other ones is the diversions in and of themselves and thinking about how it's really an opportunity for the T to hone communications and to sort of stretch its organizing muscles. I would hope that some of the connections that the T makes in order to get the word out about these diversions are connections that they can later use for recruitment for new bus operators or for new positions. And these are connections that the T can make whenever they're making a new service change or thinking about a new transit service or a new transit line. And I also think one of the big priorities and goals we're thinking about is what's the future of our transit network? And I know that, you know, while there's still some big challenges the T has to has to face and and some, you know, really immediate challenges the T is working on, it doesn't mean that we take our eye off the ball for the future and thinking about what kind of transit network do we want to have in 2050? What are the long promised projects that we need to jumpstart and, and get into motion? What are the ones that maybe don't make as much sense anymore and need to be rethought? And what are the new corridors, the new areas that people weren't even thinking about before that have now popped onto the radar and that we need to be thinking about more seriously? And how does that connect with the really varied and fascinating system of transportation in and around the Boston region that has school buses, private transport for some of the colleges in and around or the transportation management associations that the different companies or developments or neighborhoods pay into to provide local transit service, as well as the regional transit authorities once you get to the edge of the T's subway and bus network, but within the T's commuter rail area. I think it's really about making sure that whether it is in the more immediate term, the diversions, making sure that that is well coordinated, but also, again, thinking about the future and thinking about 
where do those services fit in into the future? And how is the T doing a better job of thinking about that regional connectivity and thinking about how the T plugs into services like South Coast Rail coming online pretty soon next year, as well as things that are maybe a few more years out, like East-West Rail, and then again, things even further from that, like the future regional rail service that's going to provide rapid transit-like frequencies fairly deep into Massachusetts and deep into the regions where the T is really only thought of as, oh, that's I, you know, I know exactly when the train comes and I'm going to work. What does that look like in a future where some of these cities and towns have started to build that housing that's a part of the MBTA Communities Act and has trains coming more frequently? What does that transportation look like for the future? So I think those are some big priorities that we're thinking about, that connectivity in the service. Well, there's no shortage of big ideas <laughs> and exciting opportunities. I think both of us have said at this point, I think it's a very interesting time for the MBTA and for the Commonwealth as a whole. Absolutely. For those people who are interested in getting involved in transit advocacy as a whole, what kind of advice do you have for them and how can they contribute? I think the advice I would have is that you don't need to be a transit wonk or you don't need to be an engineer. I, I have no formal training in transit planning or, or engineering or any of those things. I've just learned from a ton of reading, a ton of talking to people and from now going on eight years of sort of hands-on experience advocating with Transit Matters and working with the T. So I think it's, it's about getting out there and your experience as a transit rider, as a transit user is going to be enough to get you started. And I think it's about looking at who else in your community is doing this work uh, or is interested in this and partnering with them, whether that is an individual or whether that is a, an organization. And I think what's interesting is in so many different communities, some of the, the partners that we work with, they don't have transit in their name. They're not necessarily a transit organization. I'll give a shout out to Green Roots, an amazing environmental justice and immigrants rights organization that does a lot of work in Chelsea and East Boston. You know, transit isn't necessarily in their name, but they are incredible advocates for, for public transit and realizing that it is at that intersection of some of the things that they care so deeply about, environmental justice and immigrant rights and access to opportunities for the immigrant population that lives there. So I think that's one of the key ones. And, you know, of course, obviously I'll give a plug, transitmatters.org. We are always looking for folks to help us volunteer. But I think one of the great things about transit is because of how multifaceted it is, there's really something for everyone to plug into, whether you do Art uh, and thinking about what's the role of art in whether that is on the community engagement side or something. I'm really hoping for the future of the T is more engagement with local artists, whether you are someone who, you know, has graphic design skills. There's always organizations that would love to have someone who can sort of help them mock up some idea that they want to bring to the T or bring to the municipality or whether it's just being able to show up at public meetings and being able to say, hey, I'm a transit rider. I know actually I do support this bus lane program. You know, I know that it might mean the loss of some parking spaces, but I go to businesses up and down this street and I would be more likely to go to them if I wasn't stuck in traffic for an extra 30 or 40 minutes on my way home. I'd be more likely to, to go there and, and shop there. And so, again, I think there's so many different ways that, that folks can get engaged, but I think it's just about remembering that. Again, your, your experience as a rider is all that you need to start. And there are, it's Boston. There is no, there's no shortage of folks that will help you, that will get you up to speed, that will help you learn the background of this particular project or, or transit in your particular neighborhood or city. And then it's just finding what organization or what avenue works best for you. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much, Jared, for joining us here today and sharing your thoughts. It was definitely eye-opening. Hope to have you back on the show again to continue this partnership, continue working together and keep the ball rolling. Thanks again for having me and I appreciate it. What you were saying around, even though things may seem adversarial at times, it absolutely is a partnership. And I think so highly of so many folks at the T who are doing amazing work and that I know it's hard, but know that even along with some of the criticism is a deep appreciation for the tough work of running transit and that even as a transit geek and even as somebody who just said all of that, you know, I don't often, you know, tweet about a transit experience that went perfectly. I just got on the train and started scrolling through Twitter or reading a book or whatever else. And I got off my destination and everything was fine. And so I think that's that's the other challenge of public transit is that unlike a restaurant when you're like, wow, that was an incredible meal. I got to write about this or tweet about it. You know, we often don't talk about what happens when the bus comes exactly when the app says it's going to and is able to get into a bus lane and avoid some of that traffic and you get to your destination on time or early. But again, in spite of everything, I'm so glad that the tea is is here. And again, it's one of my favorite parts of Boston. Feel free to start tweeting about those positive experiences. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Spilling the Tea. A big thank you to our guest, Jared Johnson, for sharing his insights into public transportation advocacy and the work being done by Transit Matters. To our listeners, thank you for joining us on this journey. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review Spilling the Tea on your preferred platform and share this episode with others who share our enthusiasm for creating better transit options for all. If you have any feedback, ideas, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, please don't hesitate to reach out at social at mbta.com. Your input is invaluable in shaping the content we bring to you. Until our next episode, I'm Andrew Cassidy, and this has been Spilling the Tea.